Welcome into another edition of the Newcastle Tunes podcast, obviously brought to you by Fansided. I am Carson A. Merck, and joined by my friend, colleague, and partner in Tune, we'll say, Dareem Halimi. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Not bad. We've we've arrived on, it's not even like an exciting holiday, but it's like a, a bit of a bittersweet holiday of, of the, we're, so I guess we should say when we're recording this, we're recording this the um, a couple of days before the finale of the Newcastle United season, so it's a it's a big big holiday, but not like a fun one. It's like having to go to a dentist or something. Yeah, something along those lines. I mean, it's a day that you don't want to come because you want to keep watching your team play, but it is what it is. It's not up to us. Yeah, that's definitely it's definitely not up to us. That's a good way of putting it because I think if it were up to us, it would be go from Premier League to like some cool international tournament directly into the Premier League again, and we'd be all good. Just be soccer year-round. Yeah, I, I would have no complaints. I'd be your first subscriber. Yeah, I, I think we'll make we'll make that pitch to somebody. I'm not sure who, but I mean, FIFA always wants more money, so I'm sure they would be down for it. <laughs> Most likely. Yeah, so we, we arrive. The, the finale is a bit of a, I don't want to say a downer, but... We had this exciting match versus Liverpool last week, which we'll get into. Newcastle takes takes the loss. And then you go into the finale, and it's against Fulham. It's just kind of like, meh, like last game of the season, that's it. Chalk it up. Yeah, I mean, we're going up against a, a relegated team. It's honestly a pretty meaningless game. The highest we can finish is 13th. The lowest we could finish is 15th. Fulham already know they're going down, so it's just... Uh, a game to check off the schedule, really. <laughs> yeah, which is which is not a fun way of ending the season. You want to end, like, go back to Liverpool. So Liverpool ends their season this weekend with, they can either win the Premier League or finish second in the Premier League. So instead, like you said, we can finish between 13th and 15th, which is, you know, I'm sure there's somebody that cares. I'm not sure it's me exactly. I'm not sure how you feel about it. But whether we're 13th or 15th, I won't lose any sleep. No, I mean, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that either. Uh, as long as we're not in this boat next season, then I will care. Yeah, that's true. I guess that that's a fair way of putting it. And, and you mentioned, so I guess chronologically we should go back. So we'll, we'll talk Liverpool first. So the uh, final home match of the season against, like I said, the team that we now know will represent in the Champions League final, which was crazy. And then also has a chance currently to win the Premier League. So, big match, some big moments, and we came up on the on the short end of the stick. Yeah, I was actually quite surprised to see how well our team played despite having 30% possession. We only completed 294 passes, yet we still managed to create 14 shots against a stout defensive unit, seven of those shots on target. And we scored twice on them, so hats off to our guys. Yeah, I was going to say, and of the seven shots on target, one of them was blocked by Trent Alexander-Arnold with his hand. So, Yeah, that deliberate elbow, he got pretty lucky. I mean, I think he he still should have been sent off for that one, but once again... Not up to me. <laughs> yeah, there's something with the rule that it was if if we scored on the play that somehow it was you know not it's not red card worthy. I I didn't follow it. I was I was just mad about it. But 
So we give up the goal early. Van Dyke on a corner where LaSalle's, I don't know, he got crossed up on, on coverage and then fell. And Virgil Van Dyke just blasts ahead of home. Dubrovka obviously has no chance. And then we're able to pull one back, though. Yeah, and uh, when LaSalle's fell, I was actually pretty pissed off seeing his reaction, trying to blame somebody else. Like, that was your man. You were marking him. Own up to the mistake. It happens to us all. Just don't try to point the finger at someone else. But um, in regard to your last statement, when we got a goal back through Atsu, that was a pretty sick moment because I thought we might have to wait quite a while for an equalizer, but it came just a few minutes later. Yeah, and, and kind of going back to what you said, so like LaSalle's, it was the broadcast was not positive who it was, and then I think they eventually realized it was LaSalle's that, that missed the coverage. He went inside, and like I said, then he slips. You get the goal back with, with Atsu after the deliberate handball by, by TAA, and... I was feeling okay. I wasn't feeling overly confident by any means, but I was feeling all right. And then, and then Mo Salah, the Egyptian king, uh, puts one home for uh, Liverpool. Yeah, we should have marked him more closely in the box. There's no way that should have been a goal. That was actually one of the most open and softest goals I've ever witnessed at St. James's Park. But he got the job done for Liverpool, gave him a 2-1 lead. Um, but that also didn't last long after our boys came out of the tunnel. Yeah, and, and I like that you said we should have marked him closer in the box. I think they probably should have just marked him in general in in the box. Like you said, he was he was wide open, and he's currently either first or second in the Premier League in goals. So yeah, probably a guy you want to focus on defensively. So yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's number one in the. Top in the golden boot race with 22 goals, I believe. Yeah, that's a, as, as they said in dodgeball, that's a bold strategy, Cotton, to, <laughs> to leave the leading Premier League scorer unmarked in the box. No, they got it, they got it spot on, but our boys just didn't catch the memo. Yeah, that, which is true. So then we end up, like you said, after the break, um, Solomon Rondon comes back and scores a great goal. Uh, I think the, quality of the goal was not I don't think it got it just it's just due and then obviously the result it definitely kind of got brushed aside but it was a nice left-footed strike off the I think camera was off the volley or off the half volley but a really good strike from Rondon to, to level things up oh I I completely agree with you and I don't know much about Venezuela but if his leg is a reflection of the cannons they have in their military, then watch out. Because, <laughs> yeah, that was a beautiful goal. He just struck it one-timer in the – it was like a side netter. Allison had no chance. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it was it was perfectly through traffic. So the, the angle from behind the goal, you could see like his left foot on the outside of a of the defender and it just knifed right through everyone and and obviously like you said right in the side netting and so I was feeling good. I, I thought the draw might be might be on the cards, which had been a massive result. And then um I mean Fabinho is not fouled at all. And and Matt Ritchie uh was was livid at the time that they called that. And then uh his anger was amplified after they score maybe it was an own goal maybe it was a goal by Devakarigi but they score the winner very late and we lose 
Yeah, uh, Jordan Shachiri's ball into the box was amazing. It was a quick, dipping, curled cross, and yeah, it sucks the way that it went in. But I mean, that's that's one of those goals that's really hard to to stop as a defender, as a keeper. I mean, give credit to them. They they put the ball exactly where they wanted. They found their target man, and they got the goal they needed to win. Yeah, like you said, the the pace of the ball that he played in was it was perfect. There, the the only chance you have is to maybe get under that and knock it over the goal. But I don't think you're going to be able to clear that away side to side. And whether it went off Lascelles or Origi, it was it was a great ball from Shakiri. Everyone was making a big deal that uh, Virgil Van Dyke had pointed for Shakiri to take it, so it'd be an in swinger and. Um, the whole nine, but yeah, we we lose. It was, it was an exciting home finale, but it was a disappointing home result in the finale. Yeah, it was a disappointing result. But seeing how hard our players worked and the fact that they played toe to toe with Liverpool made me proud to be a, a member of the Toon Army. I mean, three two, can't get any closer than that. Yeah, and that actually ties into the final match versus Fulham. So I, as I wrote this week in the reverse recap, so when we played Fulham earlier this season, we played them ahead of the first Liverpool fixture and after a win over Huddersfield. And that match versus Fulham was at St. James's Park. And it was a dud. It was a match where Newcastle at the time needed points and they're coming off a win. They're at home. They're playing the absolute worst defensive team in the Premier League, and they laid an egg. It ends up nil-nil. So you go from a loss versus Liverpool, which I think I'm speaking for myself here. I felt more encouraged after that loss than I did after the draw versus Fulham earlier in the season. I would completely agree with you. I remember that game against Fulham, and I was pretty furious after the final whistle was blown. Like you said, the worst defensive team at the time, Huddersfield Town, now have that crown. But yeah, Fulham were a mess defensively, and we couldn't get past them. But the scary thing was they had like one or two good chances in stoppage time and almost took the winner at St. St. James's Park. So they really uh, they earned that draw for sure. Yeah, I think if that had been a loss, like you said, if they had scored one late, that would have been the worst result of the season for Newcastle. I think comfortably the draw with Cardiff, I think, is probably the one that I think of as probably the worst. But um, yeah, what, what do you, all right, that's a good question. What was the worst result of the season? I, I go draw versus Cardiff. Um, well, I would agree with you that the Cardiff game was the worst result, but in terms of another bad result, maybe our loss to Brighton. Probably should have got more points out of that one. Yeah, we had a couple where we had what seemed to be a draw late and then just got some stupid late winner scored against us. So, yeah, that, that probably the Brighton match, there was another one. Um, it wasn't West Ham. It was, it was another team like that where we were up. It might have been Wolves where we were up either up late or we were even late and then they scored in stoppage time. Oh yeah. They they scored the game winner in stoppage time. It was Yeah, but that was another one to be pissed off about. I completely forgot about that until now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, of course. I always like to bring up those memories. But um so going ahead to Sunday's match. So season wraps up. 
Um, we could be seeing the end of the Rafa Benitez era, which we'll get into on a podcast after that match. And then also um, we could see the end of the Ayoise Perez era at Newcastle, um, according to some of our the beloved fans on Facebook, we could be coming to the end of an average player in Salomon Rondon, his era, brief era with Newcastle. Yeah, uh, tomorrow's going to be interesting because I even wrote an article about this this week, highlighting five players that could be making their final appearance for Newcastle. And in that article, I pinpointed um, Mo Diame and John Joe Shelby, Iose Perez and Matt Ritchie, who reportedly now is being linked with Stoke City pretty heavily, and Solomon Rondon. However, I do predict that the Magpies are going to bring him back. I mean, they named him Player of the Year. You can't just let the guy walk out the door. You have to figure out some kind of negotiation with... You have to find some kind of uh, agreement with West Brom. Either let them keep Dwight Gale and Jacob Murphy in exchange for him or something, but there's no way they can let the player of the year walk. I just don't see it happening. I would 100% agree and say there's no chance that would be crazy, but then I would remember that our owner is Mike Ashley and nothing's really that crazy. So I think they should keep him, and I think they might, but if they don't, I won't be completely like floored or shocked. But um, yeah, I, I would like to see him back. It, it just makes sense. He's... Even even if Rafa's not here next season, which knock on wood, he will be here next season. Um, I think he's the kind of striker that he's not horrendously slow. He's very strong. He's good on the ball, and he doesn't mind holding up play. So I think he's a he's a well rounded enough striker. He really fits with any game plan, unless you want just like a complete burner up top where you're just going to run in behind everyone, but. There's not a lot of those guys just hanging out that aren't signed somewhere. Yeah, I mean, Rondon is definitely the ideal striker for Newcastle. Like you said, he's not the fastest guy by any means, but he is one of the smartest guys on the field, and he knows how to hold the ball up when he doesn't have support. When he does have support, he knows who to pass the ball off to, and then he runs into position. And I mean, think about it this way. He didn't play at all in preseason with West Brom because of this transfer deal. So due to a lack of, well, due to poor fitness, he didn't play much to start the season. Then he picked up an injury that kept him on the sidelines for a month. So when you think about it, two months are crossed off, and he still managed to score 10 goals in Premier League action and provided seven assists. And with Newcastle having, I think it's 38 goals this season, He's pretty much been directly involved in half of Newcastle's goals. So it's a no-brainer to me. Sign him up. Yeah, he's a he's a very well-rounded, and I was thinking when I was, I don't want to say debating with our beloved Facebook fans, but I was like, do you want Hasselu? Is that is that what you're looking for? Do you want Hasselu to be back as the striker? <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, nobody wants that. That or like even Dwight Gale. I know... Dwight Gill lights up the championship. Everyone's like, hey, maybe he can do it in the Premier League. Uh, he can't. He he was here last year. He couldn't. He's an okay player. He's To me, he's a good substitute in the Premier League, but I'm just not sure if he has it Premier League-wise. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they decide to do. So the interesting player matchup, we'll say selection, is the goalkeeper 
for Sunday. So Martin Dubrovka has played every single Premier League minute for Newcastle. By assumption, they would play him in the final match, but being that's an inconsequential match, this would typically be a time for Freddie Woodman to play. Or, I mean, Carl, Carl Darlow, Rob Elliott, if you're really deep in the game. But so I'm, I do you think it's going to be Dubrovka or Woodman? I mean, it could go either way because you said, like you said, it's a meaningless game. Um, however, seeing that Martin Dubrovka has played every single minute this season, I don't think Rafa's going to ruin that streak. And he has said time and time again, the ultimate goal is to finish as high in, in the table as they can. So even though this game doesn't really mean much, if Burnmouth loses and if Newcastle wins, uh, I don't know. I think Rafa's going to want 13th place, so I think he's going to start Dubrovka. I, I think Dubrovka as well, and I, th- I think, just like you said, I think that's the right choice. Um, there's not really a reason to ruin that streak other than to get a young goalkeeper that doesn't have Premier League experience, Premier League experience. But um, yeah, I think I think they go to Bravka and then I'm curious if they're going to mix in anyone. I, I doubt they mix in anyone in the starting 11 that's inexperienced, but maybe you see one of the younger guys come off the bench potentially. But uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. My only fear is actually Newcastle-based. I just keep thinking... Yeah, we're playing a relegated side. Who cares? And then I just flash back to May of 2016 when we absolutely demolished Spurs and Genie won all the most scoring goals. And obviously, we were already relegated at that point. So that's my only fear. Yeah. And the other thing that scares me about Sunday's opponent is the fact that I think they've won three games in a row. Um, unfortunately for them, too little, too late. <laughs> but. I mean, they're in hot form right now. They could definitely come at us. They have nothing to lose. But then again, we also have nothing to lose either. So I think it's going to be a close game with a lot of, uh, with plenty of action and an open game in midfield that could go either way. But I, I'm feeling optimistic. I think Newcastle is going to get at least a, let's say, 2 1 victory at Craven Cottage. I like that, and I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. I don't have the the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Mitrovic scored in that that big win over Spurs when we were getting relegated. And so playing him tomorrow wouldn't it be just poetic justice if he absolutely just blows us out and has like a hat trick and we lose five nil or something crazy? Well, I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm not gonna say no. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if he would. You think he would like flip the bird to Rafa if he? just dominates us i mean i can see him running to our sideline and just screaming in his face but then again i can see rafa do pull in like a randy orton rko just taking everyone in west london by storm i feel like rafa would be more of like i'm thinking of like lawrence fishburn and boys in the hood and just like you know mitrovich comes over there fired up and he just like gives him a hug like tell him it's gonna be okay and um, I, I'm actually curious. We don't need to go into it. It's not a Fulham podcast. This is the other, the Newcastle Tunes podcast. But um, I'm wondering what Mitrovic does because I think he can. I think he's a decent Premier League striker. Not a great one, but I think he can be a rotational Premier League striker. I'm curious to see if he vacates his position at Fulham and looks elsewhere. Um, it depends. I mean, going down to the Championship is hard on the books for any team. 
and the fact that they purchased him for 22 million pounds is a big deal. I mean, do you keep him on your books? Do you sell him? Because it's a double-edged sword. You paid so much money for this guy, you want to keep him. But knowing that you're in the second tier, can you afford to keep him? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Who knows? I agree yeah. with you. I think he is a Premier League striker, but I can't really make a decision on this one. I don't know. Something tells me he'll stay with Fulham, but if they don't get promoted next season, he's definitely out of there. Yeah, I, I would agree. But uh, yeah, so it should be an interesting match Sunday. So you said a 2-1 Newcastle win. I'll say, I'll say 2-2. I think it'll be a draw, like you said, with the open play, I think, in midfield. I think both teams are going to go out attacking. There's, I mean, there's no reason not to. It's not like Fulham gets any benefit if they get rid of with less goals conceded than somebody else. But I'm not. So I'll, I'll go 2-2 draw, but um, I will definitely be be, tune, be tuned in, pun intended, and I'm excited to, to see what happens. Yeah, same here. It should be a, a good competitive game. I mean, it doesn't mean anything for either side, but... Still, I think it should be an entertaining game with plenty of action. Probably not as much defending as we're used to seeing, and whoever scores the most wins. <laughs> yeah, that is that is literally the name of the game. So this is another edition. This was another edition of the Newcastle Tunes podcast, obviously brought to you by Spreaker and by Fansided. And make sure to tune in on Sunday to the match. Make sure to see all of our coverage building up to the match and then we'll also the plan is to record a podcast post match at some point next week and see um you know take a look at some summer predictions obviously take a look at what the result was versus Fulham and we will try to continue to keep you abreast of all transfer rumors and Rafa rumors and all Mike Ashley rumors as we go into another um, exciting Newcastle summer yeah definitely uh it's gonna be a busy summer in terms of keeping an eye on Rafa, keeping an eye on Rondon and a bunch of other players, especially Ayose Perez, who is catching the interest of major teams like Inter Milan, Napoli, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich. I saw a few other teams, but we are definitely going to do our best to keep you guys updated via podcast, via article, via Twitter, via Facebook, via you name it, we'll try to do it. Absolutely. So thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Keep checking us out. That's all she wrote. Have a good one too, Normie. Away the lights.